What's up, guys? This is Danny Langloss, and you're listening to the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Please hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Consider giving us a rating or a review so we can keep growing and help more people. Thank you. There are so many things that impact our ability to achieve success, but none are more important than leadership. Individuals and organizations rise and fall with leadership. We are here to help you rise. Thank you for joining us. This is the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Hello, leaders, and welcome to Leadership Excellence. My name is Danny Langloss, and today I am joined by Marsha Dashko. For more than 25 years, Marsha has passionately been speaking, coaching, and guiding executive teams in Fortune 500 companies, education, the U.S. Navy, and nonprofits to achieve exponential success. Mentored by Dr. W. Edwards Deming, she is nominated for the International Deming Prize. She writes a weekly leadership column for the Silicon Valley Business Journal, has taught MBA classes at six universities in the United States. Marsha is a catalyst for strategic leadership, transformation, and innovation. She helps leaders challenge their thinking to realize results never before achieved. Most recently, she published her book, Pivot, Disrupt, Transform, How Leaders Beat the Odds and Survive. Today, we're going to be talking about cutting-edge leadership strategies around the topics, very important topics, buzzwords. We won't be talking about buzzwords today, but these things are used as buzzwords today in the midst of COVID-19. What's it mean to truly pivot, disrupt, and transform? Marsha, welcome to the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Thank you very much. I'm so happy to be here and to engage intellectually together in our conversation and with your listeners. Thank you. You, you know, we, we did a conversation a couple of weeks ago, met formally. I've been following your stuff. A couple of things stuck out to me. You're so creative. You're so innovative. And the way you connect is just phenomenal. So our listeners are in for, for a real treat. Can you share with us a little bit about your leadership journey and about your connection to, you know, one of your mentors, Dr. W. Edwards Deming? Sure, I'm happy to. So my leadership journey first began internally, like a lot of people. My natural leadership didn't emerge for a long time because I was so excruciatingly shy. I was a voracious reader, you know, as a kid. I would grab the neighbor kids or my little brothers and sisters and throw them, you know, in our, our family room basement and teach because I loved teaching. And um, so I've done that from those early days through um, teaching seventh graders when I lived in uh, Minnesota to teaching MBA students and executive teams and staff throughout North America. So um, my journey was really <clears throat> discovered when I start, my first career was in corporate communications and marketing, and then I started working for a consulting organization owned by Dr. Perry Gluckman. And he and his colleagues helped, uh, and we worked with um, executive teams like HP and Dow Chemical and 3Com to help them learn and apply Dr. W. Edwards Deming's philosophy. So how do we use this to make a difference? And I'll talk about that in, in a second. Um, but 
I started working for Perry as his marketing person. And a couple of months later, he said, oh, I want you to do business development. I said, what am I selling? And he sent me off to Dr. Deming's four-day seminar. It was during that time of intense learning, four days, and then going back to the office and saying, Perry, what was that all about? And he said, don't worry, I'll teach you. And him teaching me like in three, four, five-hour chunks, we would have conversations at the office about what are all these concepts that are so transformational. And so over time, long story short, Dr. Deming and Dr. Perry Duckman were my strongest mentors, also Dr. Russ Acoff, and they taught me a new philosophy of management and leadership and systems thinking and statistical thinking, all things that great leaders need to have in their mindset and toolkit, but most don't. And that was the shock to me. And so I became um, learning about this philosophy and how we help uh, organizations, uh, senior executives in, across any sector apply it. And from that, I was put in situations where I had to speak up. I had to talk. I had to answer questions. I wasn't used to that. I was used to being in the background. And so my leadership emerged during that time that I was mentored, you know, by, by my mentors, but also then in 1993, I lost both of my mentors to cancer. And I thought, now what do I do? Well, we still had clients and they <clears throat> still looked for help. And so that's how my business emerged. And I continued consulting with them um, and, leadership evolved from there. Wow. Carrying on uh, the, the legacy of your mentors, what, what was it about Dr. Deming and his philosophies? What were a couple things that really stood out to you as you started to absorb all of this information and, and all these things surrounding leadership? Okay. So about <clears throat> Dr. Deming, he was invited to, for people who don't, don't know about him, he was invited to Japan after World War II at the invitation of General MacArthur to help Japan come out of their crisis. And he wrote a book called Out of the Crisis. There he told the executives of the, you know, some of the great companies that we know today, like Toyota and Honda and so forth, he told them, if you learn what I have to teach, you can become a global competitor. And we know that very quickly they did. They listened. They would, they would go for two weeks and sit and listen to him from eight in the morning till late at night to learn what he had to share. And so then after he helped Japan, he came back to the U.S. He lived in Washington, D.C. He worked with the CEO, CEOs of General Motors and Ford to then save our auto industry, which was in dire straits in the 1980s. And Don Peterson, who's a now retired CEO and chairman of Ford, always said, every, and one of my favorite quotes, 
everything we do, we do through people. So that's where Dr. Deming really began. I think his thinking was leadership is accountable and then people are responsible for contributing to the systems that leadership creates. So we can't hold individuals accountable. Dr. Deming focused on finding joy in learning and joy in work. And then he said that leaders have to manage a system of profound knowledge. So what makes up that system is systems thinking, statistical thinking, that means looking at data over time and in context to make decisions, not comparing one data point this year and last year. That's, that's crazy. Then there's theory of psychology and theory of knowledge. So how, how do you plan and carry out a plan? Continually studying that. So those four parts make up the system of profound knowledge. That's what Dr. Deming you know, contributed to, to the world, anyone who wanted to listen, learn, and apply. And I think also really paramount to that, Dr. Deming had a strong, deep focus on continual improvement, continual learning. He was constantly learning. Every time I saw him, that was generally once a month at his four-day seminar because I attended more than 20 of them. He would focus on, we need to improve and improve and improve. And people think that's what he was about. And that's true, but it's not enough. Dr. Deming was about transformation. That means going from here where you are and then going to where you've never been before. That's why the buzzwords don't work. People who create roadmaps, they will get stuck. They will not succeed. They'll flounder and eventually fail because if you follow a roadmap, that means you already know where you're going. If you're going from Chicago to San Jose or Dallas to Denver, those are two knowns. You can use a roadmap, but you need a strategic compass with the questions that are powerfully deeper and more essential um, to guide. So you use a tool called a strategic compass, which I have in, in my book, and it gives you the, it gives leaders the questions they need to ask, whether it's the leadership of an organization, uh, it might be, you know, with 400,000 people in it, or it might be um, a small local nonprofit, it might be a project team. And everyone can use the strategic compass because it takes you through in one page. It takes you through the questions. Now, does that mean you can go through and answer the questions in, you know, 20 minutes? No, these are deep questions. Management teams um, that I work with may spend days over time really learning and understanding uh, those questions because those five parts of the strategic compass are interrelated. That's awesome. I'm sure we're going to get into the strategic compass here in a little bit. And 
um, if you're willing, maybe those questions, if you got them like a PDF or a document, we can put and attach so our listeners can check those out, get a little deeper dive as, as they look and understand some of these things. Something you said that was so powerful uh, from Dr. Dr. Deming, and it's, I know it's what you believe from our conversation we had a few weeks ago, everything we do, we do through people. And I've really been looking at this in so many of my conversations with, with leaders, with leadership experts from you know, CEOs to coaches, we've really got to make a transition from, from that mindset of how do we get more out of our people to how do we invest more into our people, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's just amazing that back in, in, in his time and in his day, I mean, he's really a pioneer because all this conversation that's happening about people want to come to work as their whole self, people finding joy in their work, work experience, right? Those things are huge things right now. When we look at employee engagement and loyalty and commitment and discretionary effort and getting people to get real ownership. But this is something he was talking about a long time ago before everybody's talking about it today. What an incredible person. The other thing that sticks out in my mind as you talk about this in your journey, which is an incredible, incredible journey, is that you went to 20 of his seminars. And what that says to me, and I, I truly believe this, you know, leadership for one isn't a science, it's an art. And you were great with the creativity and the innovation, things that are real characteristic of, of art, but it leadership is a skill. It's a learned, developable skill. We're not born leaders. We're not necessarily born with these skills. Some of us have more of them. I know my pathway and my journey has been full of developing skills. They weren't something that when I joined the Dixon Police Department in 1996 that I just had. There was so much to learn. And I think that really illustrates and brings it and to know that, you know, the journey to the highest levels of success, to leadership, to, to, to visionary, to thought leadership, it's really a journey. And it's cool that you've been willing to take the time to share that journey with us today as we get ready to dive into these incredible, incredible concepts. So thank you. I love it. I love talking about this. It's, oh. I, I just am so focused on, I want to work with people who, and, and teach people and help people who are committed to making a difference, making an impact, serving others, serving their customers, creating new products, services, business models, whatever. I mean, we take our, you know, we even take our, our iPhone and we say, who, who even thought that it would someday be our camera? and be our microphone and be our everything, you know, yeah. who goes anywhere without their phone. If I leave the house and I forget the phone and I realize it two minutes away, I turn around and come back. I don't care where I'm going. I need, I, I'm addicted. <laughs> well, let's dive in. So we're in the midst of COVID-19. It's November, shortly before Thanksgiving, 2020, for those who listen down the road. And we're using these words like pivot, disrupt, transform. What, how do you define pivot? What, what is your insight? Pivot means an uh, often abrupt shift in direction. And great leaders who pivot see a need and they see a solution 
and they figure out a team and a method to combine the two. So leaders pivot when there's a strong emerging requirement. And some people who are not pivotal leaders will just get stuck and shut down and woe is me and play victim. And maybe like when COVID hit, there were companies who abruptly just laid off all their people or shut their doors within a month or two. They didn't even pivot. They, could, they couldn't. They got stuck. So it's a mindset shift. So, so leaders pivot when they shift their mindset. And people who have a growth mindset, have a creative mindset, do it very easily they don't they don't kind of think twice about it they don't they don't also have that wait and see attitude they immediately assess what's going on they see the need they assess what's going on they do a sense and respond and then they put together the people that can make the solution happen that's what we saw you know just one example we saw Ford and General Motors go from manufacturing cars to manufacturing over 100,000 ventilators. They pivoted. We saw um, beer distilleries pivot and start making hand sanitizers. Um, there are, I've researched, there are hundreds of examples of this, especially during COVID. But I want to, want to point out something very important, and that is, Great leaders pivot all the time. We're now hearing this word pivot over and over and over. I'm going to be so sick of it by next year. And right. I thought, I wrote the book two years ago, and um, it's so powerful right now and influential. But great leaders are always searching for how they're going to create new markets create new products and services, create new business models. So we could say that years ago before COVID, um, Lyft and Uber pivoted, Airbnb pivoted. They shook up traditional industries and traditional companies will, some will pivot and some will not. Companies that were, or organizations that were struggling before COVID they might have suffered, declined, and failed during that time. It might have had nothing to do with COVID. It's just that COVID might have accelerated it a little bit, but it was because they had uh, poor leadership thinking in the first place. They didn't know how to pivot. They, uh, great leaders need to disrupt themselves. Absolutely. So I listened to, to pivoting and, and hear you talk about this in you know, some people, the great leaders, like I said, they pivot all the time. And, but some people are struggling to pivot. Some people are struggling to be creative and innovative. Some people are struggling to predict and create their future. And one of the things, and it ties into something you said a little bit earlier, is we've got to realize and understand the power of our people. And one of the things and the mistakes I think that leaders make especially when there's fear, when there's uncertainty, and there's doubt. 
that destroys confidence, that destroys psychological safety. So they start to put a stranglehold on the organization. You talk about these companies that closed their doors, laid their people off, they become paralyzed and they think because they're the leader, they're the boss, they're in charge, they gotta have all the ideas. And the truth is, they don't. A matter of fact, uh, one of my guests, Abajiski, uh, shared 42 years of leadership with me. He said, in fact, you can be a great leader and have very few of the ideas and the solutions so long as you create an environment where you enable and you empower your team, where you display empathy, true understanding, caring. You create this environment of innovation and, and sharing and, and ideation. Um, you know, the, some of the design leadership principles your team comes together and that's where your power is, right? And so great leaders who understand how to pivot, some of them can, can do it on their own, but I, but I would challenge that we can do nothing on our own as good as we can do it with the synergy of other people and, and, and other champions. Take that for a second. Oh, I could take that all over for hours. <laughs> so like, like they say, there's, there's no I in the word team. So we need to think about what is leadership? Leadership is, there are different kinds. Positional leadership means you have a title, you have a job, you might own the company. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're a great leader in the way that organization or society needs you to lead. Leadership means that you create an environment for people to be self-motivated and contribute. It is, like I've said to my, my um, organizations that I've worked with, I'm going to teach the executive team first because they have a lot of influence and what they do or don't do impacts everyone else in the organization, it's success, it's failure. It's creates the culture, something. creates the ecosystem, creates that whole environment, yeah. right? Yes. And so I, I begin to teach them, but I teach all the way through the organization. So everyone gets the, the same vocabulary, thinking, and tools very quickly. And once they have that, I say to the, and we start improving the organization, transitioning it, transforming it, transforming people personally. That has to happen first, as Dr. Deming told us. Personal transformation happens first, then organizational transformation. But on to my point, I keep interrupting myself. So the focus has got to be that, like you mentioned before, Great leaders invest in their people. They continually are developing their people. And then once everyone can work together and they're working together to learn to work, they, they are improving and innovating in the organization, I say to the leadership team, get out of the way of your people. Love they that. will take you where you've never been before. That is transformation. One of my clients wanted to go from 30 to 35 or 40 million. He said, Marcia, can you help us? And oh, by the way, we have all these problems. 
they had one of the most toxic, dysfunctional organizations I had seen, and they had no management team. So I, I, had, I created the management team together. We began the education. And I said to him, you can think about that 40 million that you want to go to. I don't know where we'll go. Maybe we'll go to from, you know, 30 to 32 million or me. I, I don't know. And I, I don't care about those numbers. I want to see what this organization learning, working, improving and innovating together. Where can it go to serve customers and this community and new markets and we took that organization from 30 million to 300 million. Wow. Yes. Wow. That was the power of the people, the power of the pivot. It's the power of the people. You know, it's, we, we talk, it's, it's funny. I've been working on this thing from the, the leaderboard to leadership and working with, you know, a few different companies. And, and we're very intentional about this within the city, currently the city manager of Dixon. Um, and we, we've spread this throughout, but when we make that shift and transition to leadership, right? We're, we're not responsible for doing the things. We're responsible for the people who are responsible for doing the things. And we talk a lot, and you said this, and it just struck uh, an incredible you know, chord uh, within me. It's our job to set the direction. It's our job to give the people the resources, the coaching, the development, the competency, all those things, right? And when we've done that, to get the heck out of their way get out of their way and when you do like you said i didn't know you said i don't know if it was going to go from 30 million to 32 million and but you wanted to see what unleashing the true power and potential this team would do and you work with these strategies and you work with this company and they went from 30 million to 300 million absolutely absolutely phenomenal so let's transition let's shift or pivot from pivot to disruption. What's disruption? So disruption for many people is having something come that they were blindsided by. So the disruption is sometimes from the external, but oftentimes is internal. And people don't think about that. Leadership, oftentimes, they don't think that they are doing the disrupting but sometimes those disruptions are negative and that takes them down the path of floundering and destroying their own organization with internal competition and dysfunctional toxic environments. And there are other leaders who create the disruption intentionally by asking provocative questions asking questions. And I I once saw, I actually don't share this example very often, but um, I had a friend uh, at Boeing, senior executive, and he kept asking me to come visit. And I was, I was just busy. Finally, after many phone calls, I said, fine, fine, I'll come and visit. And he just wanted me to come and spend the day and um, a day or two. And, and, observe him and see his teams and see what they were doing. And it was really fun. But one of the most, uh, I don't know, something that really impactful things to me was to watch him with his executive team. He probably had about 20 people in the room. And he had 
his purpose. And he went into the meeting and he talked for a few minutes. He shared the, the purpose, what were they trying to accomplish? And then he asked a question and then he said nothing. And for the next hour, all of his team talked and talked and debated and discussed and argued and everything. And then he started talking again, sharing a few ideas, asking, and then he asked a couple more questions. And then again, he went silent. It was, they didn't look to him for any answers. They didn't look to him for, oh, we're going to sit back. You just tell us what to do. He was a brilliant leader because he created that environment and then he tapped in on his people. Many times what I say to, his, to executives is, are you getting your money's worth out of your resources? Are you getting your money's worth out of your people? And if you're talking all the time, you can't possibly get their contributions. And that's your job. Your job is to create that environment where they can contribute their ideas, their plans, their mistakes, their uh, options, their, their um, stories together and the stories that they hear from customers. That's powerful. Those stories are needed. And a big job of the leadership is to go to be having story um, um, conversations with customers. What can they learn? I've worked with so many um, sales teams and at sales conferences where people will, um, the sales people will like, for example, tell me, we go to a customer and uh, this is what we do. And I have them go through the detail. Well, we start with the, you know, greetings and everything. And then we go through our, our PowerPoint deck and then we ask, then we ask some more questions and share some ideas. I said, and I always say, you've got it turned around. You've got it turned upside down. Throw away the PowerPoint deck or bring it out just for, you know, at the end for a few things you might want to share. But you start with story. You start with the stories. You start learning their story. You hear their frustrations, you hear their challenges, you hear their needs, you hear their wants. And how in, how in the world can you present a presentation that's, you know, probably pretty canned, even if you've done some research on them, you need to engage with them. You need to really deeply understand them. And when you have the trust then they can listen to what you might, how you might be able to help them. No, absolutely. So much incredible information as you talk about through there and you talk about the CEO uh, at Boeing. And, yeah, and I just want to recap this a little bit because when you walked in to this meeting with his 20 executive members of his executive leadership team, you saw something different, something special that you don't see in a lot of organizations, right? Generally, the leader comes in, sets down, this is the issue, this is the problem. They do all the talking, 
they put out solutions and say, well, what does everybody think? Well, who's going to go against you at that point? You haven't created an environment of innovation and creativity. Yeah, that's one thing. But secondly, I want to add that another thing that leaders sometimes do is they just go around the room that it might be executive team, but like this, um, other situations that might be a vice president or a director where their team. So whoever mm -hmm. is around that table, right? But the, the thing that they often do is they go person by person, report out, report, report, report. And people spend hundreds, maybe thousands of hours maybe preparing these reports. Yeah. It's not what's important. That's not the important conversation to be having. You can do that in an email, right? You can report out in an email. So yeah, and then the, the, he goes in with the purpose and then the power of provocative questions and then the power of using your most important, most valuable communication skill, and that's listening. Yes. And what it sounds like he's done. So when we talk about, he's created incredible levels of ownership within his team. And when we think about this, people feel safe to say and to share and to answer these questions. They feel like they belong. They're important. This generates confidence. He's empowering them. It creates innovation, right? People, because people support what they create. It's a favorite statement of mine from Julie Ruska, a good friend, and she was on the podcast, you know, uh, many, many episodes ago. It creates that commitment and ownership. And there's nothing more powerful than a culture of purpose-driven, innovative, and creative owners. Yes. Right. And so as you're talking about this, these are some of the things I want to break down for our listeners that you can't just walk into a room and ask great questions and expect people to feel comfortable answering what what this CEO had done was created this very safe, inclusive, empowering, enable environment where people belonged. Right. And where they felt a sense of ownership to actually come forward and answer these provocative questions. And that is a very powerful culture. And it, it, it is it is such a difference from what we normally see going in and working with places. And so so breaking that down is huge. You talked about the, the second thing that I found really, really powerful was people start with a slide deck and, you know, Start by building rapport. Start by establishing a connection. Ask people some questions. Figure out what their likes are, their dislikes, their challenges, their needs, and then custom, then custom what it is that you have within your toolkit to meet those needs, to, to overcome those challenges, right? Like people got this thing flipped upside down on its head, and, and we see that, we see that so often. Can you take us through a couple of disruptions that you've seen to different industries and maybe industries that were caught off guard. Oh, well, there almost every industry has been caught. So off we were guard. talking in our last conversation about what Uber and Lyft did, what Walmart did, what Airbnb did. Like some of these places were taken completely off guard by these disruptions, right? Yes. So, so to, to add or, or emphasize a point too that ties in with where we're going. The trust is so important. So when the executive at Boeing talked to his team, they had to have a trust. Oh, yeah. He had a vision. He didn't share his vision of where he wanted them to go, but he didn't want to tell them what it was. He wanted them to um, discover it themselves. Same with the sales salespeople. Build trust first. 
And then you can co-create with the customer and go back and forth. Well, I hear these problems. What we could help you with this. Is that what makes sense to you? Or what, what about this or this? You know, so it's a conversation. It is not a, a telling or um, it's my way or the highway. I've, I've seen those people in the past. So as far as the disruptions, okay, there are more than, when you take our Fortune 500 companies, for example, they came about in about 19, the first list came about in 1955, I think. And of those Fortune 500 companies, more than 60% of them no longer exist. That's a huge disruption in a short amount of time, just over, what, 60 years or so, um, 70 years. So that multi-billion dollar companies would either disappear or some of them, like Eastern Airlines, they were bought up by another airline and it just keeps you know, going like this. But you know, think of some of the great organizations of today, like JetBlue or Southwest, like um, Uber and Lyft that are you know, struggling temporarily anyway, um, Airbnb, um, the, the Walmart, when they came about, everybody was resistant. Um, now, um, Amazon is, you know, app and Apple. So the organizations that pivot, that disrupt, um, they are the ones that are going to transform because they have a vision of going where no one has ever gone before. And that's what transformation is. Thinking about where can we add value? It's bigger than problem solving. Oftentimes, so many thousands of people, consultants and so forth say, well, find the pain point. Well, many times there's not a pain point. I mean, like Dr. Deming said, no one asked for the telephone or the electric light or the fax machine. No one asked for that. We didn't ask for the iPhone. Um, it's that some people, and some people are pretty rare, but we can all work toward it. Some people have visions that others don't. I'm not saying they're totally great leaders, but they're definitely great um, innovators like Steve Jobs, like Elon Musk, um, you know, Einstein. These people perpetually are disrupting and pivoting. And that's because the status quo, that, that means nothing to them. It's always, they see things others don't see. They create, but they're just not idea people. That's, creativity is have, having ideas. Innovators take those ideas to market. That's the difference between creativity and innovation. Creativity is in, about ideas. Innovation is about taking ideas to market or make, to be useful. Sometimes it's not, not always a market, but, you know, we're seeing now SpaceX, you know, where is Elon Musk going, you know, out of this world and into other worlds? So those are, um, those are just, if, so we can see in our history, 
so many hundreds of examples. And then today, leaders need to be aware. What's happening out there? And one thing I always advise is I want leaders to read outside of their own industry. Otherwise, they get stuck in a box. But, you know, every so often, you know, when I'm before I'm going to jump on a plane, I go into the airport bookstore and I grab, you know, four or five magazines that are totally unrelated, something I wouldn't typically read just to get new ideas and new thinking and new perspectives. It's kind of fun. I love it. You know, one of the things that this podcast was founded on, so the Leadership Excellence podcast, this isn't geared towards just city managers or police chiefs or CEOs or nonprofits, right, or entrepreneurs. The principles and concepts and strategies of leadership are universal and they transcend across all professions. And that's been demonstrated by all the different professions and all the diversity represented. Leadership is about people and people are are people. As you walk through the the transform, you know, going where where no one else has gone, envisioning and creating the future. He said, nobody asks for the iPhone. Nobody asks for the telephone, those kinds of things about having vision right? Elon Musk is smiling right now as he listens to this podcast, which probably he's not, about <laughs> being compared to Einstein. So uh, maybe I can catch him on a tweet. And, but, it, but really about creating the future. What I hear you say comes in in this transformation about a motto that, that we've instilled. It's on the side of our police cards. It's throughout um, our, our city. It's through all the, the companies that I'm working with. It's part of this, the, the podcast title, but this commitment to excellence. And the thing about this is that excellence, with excellence, there's no destination, right? It's a place that we can visit from time to time, but there's always a better way. And this transformation is about always finding that better way, always going and taking things to places where we've never been to drive service. And and the other thing I want to capitalize on, because I've never heard it explained this way, and it makes total sense, but I love when we take complex things and make them simple. Being creative is about having ideas. Being innovative is about bringing those ideas to life. Yes. You know, and so the transformation isn't just about vision. It isn't just about ideas, right? It's about innovation. It's about bringing it to life. So such powerful things. Yes. Making it useful. So also I want to add to when you talked about making things better and better and striving for excellence you that's that's always forward future focused right um my kind of to to make people aware of it's awesome to improve and improve and improve and get better and better and better but it's not good enough and it's not transformation Continual improvement is one strategy that Dr. Deming um, shared with us. But transformation is a more powerful strategy because it provokes us to do new, different, unique, bold things that we've never done before. So, for example, we can improve and improve and improve the buggy whip. 
but it is never going to get us to the horseless carriage, the car, the electric car, and beyond. We have to, leaders, have to ask different questions all of the time. They have to challenge current beliefs, practices, assumptions. That's why so many leaders get stuck or executives get stuck. It's because, let's say they start a company and then they say, oh, now we've got 10 employees or 20 employees. Now we need an HR manager and now we need this and we need this. And that HR manager needs to, when we get up to 50 employees or 100 employees, now we need performance appraisals. We need to hold individuals accountable. We need to give them, we need to rank and rate them. We need to give them arbitrary numerical goals to achieve you know, every quarter and we'll, we'll monitor that and we'll see how they do every year and we'll either increase their pay, you know, 1% or uh, 4%. Those are all horrible management fads and quote unquote best practices that create toxic, dysfunctional workplaces. And if you have, and if the, your audience has any of those things in their organization that creates internal competition, don't be telling me that you want teamwork and collaboration because you've created a system that will self-destruct over time. It will bring in a lot of practices and beliefs that are not helpful to your organization, to your teams, or to your customers, or to society. So that's why in my book, the first part, part number one of three, is stop. What are the things you need to stop doing? And then part two is change your thinking what you need to start thinking differently about and then part three transform so otherwise the if you're as you grow as an organization and you bring in all of these oh lean six sigma and you know agile and this and this and this every different you know flavor of the month which we really saw that a lot in the 80s and 90s also if those are are coming in what you're doing is you're putting um, strawberry jam, the best thing you think is out there, on top of moldy toast. So you are the moldy toast with a toxic workplace or a, to or a workplace that is dysfunctional, has silos, has barriers, has limitations. And if you try to bring in one more thing and one more thing and one more thing and pile it on, you're just going to create a, I heard a great term the other day, a new term called collective trauma. That's what your organization is going to experience is collective trauma. And every time it, something triggers it, it will get, go down a new dysfunctional path. So really leaders need to, need to really, have provocative thinking and rarely 
like Dr. Deming said, that help does not come from within. They can't see, they can't see their blind spots. They need help from the outside. So they need help from someone who understands um, systems thinking, statistical thinking, the system of profound knowledge. If they get that help, they can transform their organization if they're committed rather rapidly or if they're struggling, if they're near bankruptcy, they can get turned around really quickly. I've, I've seen that several times when I've walked into organizations and the business owner, for example, didn't tell me on the phone in our conversations um, what, how bad the situation was when I got there and spent a week with them. Then I learned, oh my gosh, they're almost, you know, filing for bankruptcy. They're almost out of business. I've, I've got a short amount of time to get this turned around. And then it's, uh, it's hard work, but it's great. It's very satisfying. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. So much great information. We're talking with Marsha uh, Dashko. Um, she released the book, Pivot, Disrupt, Transform has brought so much incredible value as we, as we dive through this. What do you want to leave our listeners? We're, we're closing to the end of our time available today. We could talk all day. Just, just absolutely love this. Um, with any final call to action. Well, one thing definitely, you know, you can get my book. It's on Amazon. It's audible, the, the whole nine yards, whatever, however you like to quote unquote, read a book. Um, in there, you'll find my website, my probably my email address. Don't hesitate, you know, to reach out. But re really use my website as well, because on the website, I put as many resources as I can think about. I have a bibliography of recommended readings, of podcasts, radio shows, white papers. One white paper um, is about transformation. Another is about innovation. So go use the resources. Um, if you want help, reach out to me. I'm happy to, you know, I love to, you can tell, speak about this, these topics, whether it's for a, a facilitated offsite now virtually or at a, at a summit or a conference. So I want people to, like now we're getting into the holidays, take some of maybe some of that downtime, that lockdown time that we have and, and pick up a new book, reach out to someone who um, you can identify in, in my book and, you know, have a conversation with them. And um, besides my book, I, I recommend as a first read the goal by Dr. Goldratt. It's more than 30 years old and it's fiction. And But that's one of the first books that I share. Another one is Deming's Profound Changes and The Anticipatory Organization by Dan Burris. So those are a few resources. So I, I guess the call to action is study, read, learn, have conversations discover your commitment to your personal transformation. And if your organization is struggling or 
if it, you feel it has silos and limitations and uh, too much turnover, not enough collaboration, then there are really symptoms going on in that company, but it's the system that you created. Only you can change the system. Yeah. So 100%. that call to action. And, and when I hear your call to action, I hear, how do we get 1% better every day? How can we look at our systems and how we're serving our people to create environments that are better for our people every single day? Every we're going to transform day. them. That's how. <laughs> Love it, Marcia. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Thank you. Thank you so much. This so for fun. more information on Marsha Dashko, she has an incredible website, which will be linked in the podcast description. Connect with her on LinkedIn, last name spelling, D-A-S-Z-K-O. Also, it'll be within the podcast description. You know, today she, she really shared with us a deep dive into the concepts and strategies of pivot, disrupt, transform. She defined pivot as an abrupt shift in direction, um, talking about team and method to combine. Uh, how do we combine our teams and our methods? Our mindset shift, the shift of our mindset to a growth mindset, always remaining there. Disruption, you know, places get blindsided, right? We want to be the disruption. We don't want to be the victims of disruption. She talked about, you know, the power of leaders and the, the leader at Boeing, the power of provocative questions right? The power of empowering, enable your team, utilizing your team, and then transformation, going where no one has gone before. And this isn't about getting 1% better every day. This is actually about creating a new future, right? Creating something that's never been created before, always challenging the status quo. And I love this. The difference between being creative and innovative is being creative is about ideas. Being innovative is about bringing those ideas to life. As leaders, we got to be aware. Uh, and there's things we've got to eliminate within our organizations that are really, really holding us back. So, so much value, so many incredible things. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Marsha. To our listeners, uh, thank you for sharing this time with us today. If you found the episode useful, please smash that subscribe button. Give us a rating. Uh, make sure you never miss another episode. Leave us a review. It really helps us help more people. If you're interested in receiving more information from the Leadership Excellence podcast, uh, from Langloss Consulting, uh, the most cutting-edge leadership strategies from a diverse group of leaders all across the country, soon to be all across the world. Um, go to our website, subscribe. That'll be um, in, in our notes as well. We promise not to overwhelm your inbox. There won't be things coming all the time. Again, thank you for joining us today. And remember, always be committed to excellence. <laughs>